We have a sad update to report since we recorded our review of Designing Women's third episode. The guest actor who plays Mason Dodd, Walter Okovich, passed away at the age of 72 after struggling with health issues for 20 years, which is something we discussed as part of our recap. Character actors don't always have the same notoriety as leading actors, but his filmography and career were quite rich, appearing in cult classics like Twin Peaks and groundbreaking series like Grace Under Fire, as well as big screen appearances and even a Dolly Parton ABC variety show. According to Variety, he is survived by his son and two grandchildren. So, before starting the episode, we want to acknowledge his passing, or graduation as my mom calls it, and pay our respects to Walter. Hey y'all, I'm Nikki. And I'm Selena, and this is Sweet Tea TV, a podcast by two Southerners exploring and celebrating the better parts of Southern culture on TV and in entertainment. In our first season, we'll dive into the iconic show Designing Women, a series far ahead of its time, following four strong, brazen women right here in our backyard, Atlanta. So join us as we break down each episode and discuss what they got right, what they got wrong, and how this show holds 30 plus years later. Come on, let's get into it. Well, Nikki, today we have ourselves a little bit of a special treat because it's a Saturday. I don't know if that matters for anybody else, but we're a Monday, Friday kind of group. Monday through Friday, excuse me. And so we don't often get the chance to see one another. And it is... Not that this matters for the audience, but it is afternoon, but I know that you're an all-day coffee drinker on the weekend. What? You know that about me? Yeah. Well, you know, because that Monday through Friday thing. (laughs) Right. So I thought, like, what would be better than for us to put our mugs on display and then, yeah, like our coffee mugs and we can show like what we have. Sure. Like a show and tell. Yeah, like a show and tell, like a surprise show and tell. A show, a show and describe and tell. Describe deeply. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, I hope you don't have your profane mug today. (sighs) Hold on, real quick. Let me go get a different one. No, mine's far from profane. Mine is perfectly. Mine's perfectly fitting for our show. So my dear friend Katie just gave me this mug um, last weekend. I've used it every day this week. It is a drawing of Dolly Parton, and it says. Caffeine, 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 <laughs> caffeine. So it's perfect because Dolly. That is Dolly's our hero. Very lovely. Yeah, she's pretty great. I don't think it gets better than Dolly. So no. you may, you probably win. I'm like yours is very show specific. I'm like mine is not. It's my metaphysical oh. boho mug. Very thought provoking. There's eyeballs. Yes. There's lots of eyes on it. I'm I'm warding off the evil eye with the evil eye. That's how that works, right? Sure. I don't really know. Sure. Yeah, but let's just say it does. We're gonna ward off the evil eye today, and but it also comes in pretty pastel. It, it, that's what I noticed. It's very pastelly, very spring like. And that's where we're at. I mean, it's fifty something outside. Right. I think it got cold. It again. is spring, which I'm okay with because. Let's ward off those 100-degree days for as long as we can. Yeah. We had a, a bout of humidity last weekend already, and I just, I don't think I'm ready. I'm never fully prepared, and I feel like I get very tense around this time of year just waiting for it to all fall apart. <laughs> uh, and it's positive, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, so maybe what we'll do is shoot those mugs out over, like, onto our Instagram account or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then... Yeah, if anybody, like, I know I did a bad job with my Southern mug, and Nikki did a great job, but that's what we do. That's our (laughs) shtick. She does the homework even when she doesn't know she's supposed to do the homework. (laughs) I make up the homework and do it wrong. But you can join us, maybe, if you want, and you can, like, just tag us in pictures of your best Southern coffee mug or whatever coffee mug, like I did with my metaphysical uh, boho mug. Yeah, I think we're equal opportunity muggists around here because whatever gets the coffee into your mouth we're happy for you to have it right and we need to be caffeinated on all days of the week and we want to try and be peppy because you got to get pep you got to be peppy to get through a 22 minute television show 
I guess. <laughs> I don't know, Selena, especially this week's episode. Are you about ready to dive in? Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I mean, we might as well. It's a hard turn from the pageant episode, which was so awesome. It really is. So this, so I think we've talked about before, Selena, that we don't really talk too much about our individual notes on the show uh, before we get into them. But we do kind of high level talk about the direction of the show and things like that. And this is the first episode so far, and it's only the third episode that we've watched, but it's the first one I texted you and I was like, ugh, this one. Did not care for it. Right. So it's a tough. It it is tough. So we'll get into the Hulu episode description first, as usual. So the episode is called A Big Affair. Suzanne's intimate dinner party planned to impress an important client goes awry before it begins when she arranges a date between a and I'm just I'm reading the description, a more than hefty man and a reluctant Charlene. So, yeah. So there's that. And uh, uh, end podcast. (laughs) Let's just skip right over this one. I think one of the ground rules that we've talked about with our um, podcast is that we want it to be fun. We want it to be entertaining. um, But we also know that sometimes we have to, we're going to call this our timeout before the episode begins. And this is, I think, how we're going to handle these things um, in future episodes as well, um, where we need to kind of acknowledge that there are some parts that we weren't crazy about, maybe didn't age well, maybe we're never right in the first place. So I think in general, we recognize we're reviewing a show from the 80s in 2021. So you can't fully hold the show up to the same standards that we have today. There, it just Society was different. TV was different. It was just a different era. Um, so I think we agree that we're lucky that in a lot of ways, the show was progressive in general, even back then. It was really just ahead of its time. Um, So maybe we won't encounter that as often um, as it feels like we will, since it's only episode three and we're already encountering some tough issues. Um, But sometimes we will. And this episode, I think, in several instances, is probably a good example of that. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. And it's like you said, I thought we'd get further than episode three. But here we are. And like, like we said in the beginning, we're committed, we're in it. And that's okay. Like, uh, time marches on, and I feel like as long as we're being honest and being open, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. So let can we agree that what we will do is we'll flag the issue, we'll address it briefly, kind of talking about what we, what we found problematic about it, and then we're going to move on. We're going to acknowledge that it was, um, wasn't great. Here's why. Here's why we think it wasn't great, and then we'll move on. Does that sound good in terms of ground rules? Yeah, I think that is a, a perfect way to handle it. Or, well, there's no perfect in this yeah. situation. So we're doing the best we can. Uh, hang in there with us. We're also not trying to overreact. We're just, oh yeah, like I said, yeah, we're just trying to be honest. And I think as a whole, we just kind of, it's supposed to be a sitcom, and it just didn't, the jokes weren't landing. Yeah, this one, 35 years one later. was real tough for me. So I think on that note, jumping into the episode, we have a red flag almost right off the bat, which is awkward. So another Charlene on the phone moment opens up the episode. Again, bingo card. If we were playing, somebody would have gotten that one. Um, But Charlene's on the phone with someone named Walter, um, who you learn through the context of their conversation is a client who's in a uh, college fraternity. Um, and the fraternity owes some money on some sofas. And this this plot's going to run through the whole episode. So I think the awkward part here is um, during the conversation in a very sort of lighthearted, nonchalant way, <clears throat> they reference a Slave Week fundraiser. Yeah, you heard that right. Slave Week. Um, and ugh, it was awful. It was terrible. Um, so I mm. think... You know, we when we talk about issues related to the South's complex um, relationship with um, slavery and racism, we have we want to have that conversation. I think Selena, knowing we're two white women, I just feel like that's an that's an important piece of information to share. I think that is absolutely something that we want to be very clear on that we are not underneath some sort of false understanding of who it is that's speaking right now. Yes. Yeah. So I yeah. I just want to make that that known. So what what we think of this probably and in our perspective probably is uh, the least important in any of this. But again, in the interest of saying like, 
that wasn't right. And here's why we're going to call it out. Um, I, I think we don't know why they made the joke. We don't know if it was intended to be malicious. We just know that it didn't age well. I'm not sure. So so my argument actually would be, I say it didn't age well. My argument actually would be that it it wasn't appropriate in the first place. And um, this is a thing, this kind of slave week in universities, um, this is a thing that still happens. And um, I was just doing some research. As soon as I saw this, it, it rung in my head some stories that we've heard in the last few years about college fraternities, some in the South and some in other places, um, having accusations of blackface at um, socials or as part of um, whatever it is they're doing. So I did a quick Google because, I, you know, it's always hard to remember those things. Um, and UGA, which we've talked about before, um, the university I went to as recently as 2018 or 2019, um, there were some frat brothers who were suspended for mimicking slave ownership. And it was alarming, this video. It's like these drunk kids just sitting on a bed. One of them has a belt and is whipping his friend and says just some really horrible things. And it was just alarming to me. Like, he's drunk and that's the first thing that came to mind for him. How strange. Yeah, how right. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. How weird is that? Um, right. And then... And if we're laughing, it's because we're uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I watched that video yeah. and I just... It, it really... It made me sad. So I was a part of Greek life when I was in college. Um, that is not representative of my experience with Greek life, but that is absolutely, obviously, not to say that didn't happen. So it just... It's just unfortunate. And then I, I found another story out of California uh, where they had like a multicultural week and one of the brothers um, put on blackface and wore blackface as part of um, his costume or whatever. So um, anyway, I don't want to I don't want to linger on this too long, except to say I think it's really easy to say, oh, 1986, what a time. But it still happens today. So super right. inappropriate whenever it happens. Um, so that just like when you open an episode like that ooh, 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 was not a good start. I, I agree. And if I can just tack on to there that, you know, there have been in taking it to television because um, for some reason you want to say it's a safe place, but it's not really. But I, I think the other thing is, is like you said, it was so nonchalant. It was like this random mention you know, we're just getting into the episode. It, it just felt so unnecessary. Also, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off real quick just to say I had to Please. specifically look up. Um, I found a transcript of the episode online because I couldn't understand what she was saying because Slave Week fundraiser so far from my head of what she could have been saying. Same. I And actually, I, I sort of have a hard time. I've had to rewind on her a few times mm -hmm. just because I have a little bit of a hard time, I guess, understanding <laughs> Her <laughs> I like to think it's because she's actually from Seattle. Right. And a Seattle person trying to do a Southern accent. That's what I've told myself to feel better about it. Um, but what, But I just wanted to mention that there are shows out there that are really actually trying to tackle these controversial things that happen at frat parties. And, you know, it, it's part of that is a part of Greek life. And one thing that I remember this morning, there's a show on Netflix and it's called Dear White People. And season one really follows a, a controversial event that happens at a frat party. And then the audience slowly over the course of the season is introduced to multiple perspectives uh, through people that are part of the student body. And it's like a diverse group of people. And so I think that's, uh, if if you want to check it out, I think it's a really good way to sort of see a more positive um, outlook, at least, I don't know, but maybe positive is not right, but just a, a way to really kind of break down what's going on there and in a way that gives that issue its due mm -hmm. without it being like this off the hip one liner. Yeah. And I think that was one of my biggest problems with this. Yeah. So. But like we said, we weren't going to linger. So <laughs> the, uh, flag number one. Check. And we're done. Yep. All right. So with the red flag out of the way, we can get into the rest of what happens in the episode. I think I mentioned that uh, the frat bought some couches from sugar bakers and they're having trouble paying um, the ladies back. 
Um, So through this conversation, Charlene agrees to give them some money. So that's sort of how the the episode opens up. Um, How do you normally say it? Suzanne flaunts in. She flaunts in. She she flaunts right in. And the um, short version is that it comes out that she set Charlene up on a blind date. And um, that the man is there right now. Right, because there's no better way to do that. Right. But there's also the why. Like, it's very selfish. Right, 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 right. Good point. Yeah. So um, he is Mason Dodd of, uh, what was it? Mason Dodd Imports. And again, this is where I probably should have read the transcript more closely here because I couldn't fully understand what she was getting out of it except some like free stuff. I got you, girl. I'm here. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay. So he, he, there's a couple of things that Suzanne notes about him as she like strong arms Charlene into this date, right? And one of them is, is like he comes from old money. Um, he is an importer. And then also what he, they, what Suzanne is going to get out of it, what the business is going to get out of it is like he can give them merchandise on consignment, but he oh, can right. also That's give them personal discounts. That's all fine and well. But can we just stop for a second and say uh, this plot device is a bit of a stretch? Like mm-hmm. since when do we exchange dates for merchandise? Why is she pimping her back? I mean, pimping her out. Pimping her. Why is she pimping her back? I don't know why she's pimping her back. That's not a thing. And her front. <laughs> why both parts? Everything's getting pimped. Her top anyway. and her bottom, all of it. Right. And I should really stop saying that word. So, <laughs> uh, But the, it's just weird, right? Yeah, that was weird. Uh, that, okay. that was very strange. Uh, so I just, I think they were, like, how we got to this setup was just strange, and then we but, also get our big reveal here, too, right? When he walks yeah. through the door. Yeah, so the man comes in. And he, he's not even a big guy. And I'm not sure how to say that without sounding the opposite. I, I don't know. But he wasn't even that big. But the first thing he kind of comes in and does, there's he makes some like self-deprecating jokes about his weight. Yeah, right off the and, bat. Like, so just to clarify, Charlene didn't really want to go on a blind date with anybody. She was sort of like, no, I don't want to do this. Then the guy comes in and he is a, how did they say it? In the, he is allegedly a hefty person. Um, and Charlene definitely decides she doesn't want to go on a date with this guy. I'm judging well, that from her face. Well, it's all the faces. And I think, yeah. like, I just felt like we had a little mean girl action going on. There's it's a lot beauty of pageant contest thing all over again. They just haven't gotten it out of their system. I don't know. But, like, you just see all these, like, knowing glances, which were really kind of strange. And then Charlene's over there at her desk. She's trying to hide her face. Um, I, You know, and then I also thought, like, I don't know how the self-deprecating jokes hit you, but I certainly thought of it as a very common defense mechanism. Oh, Sure. And it, which was I mean, what was sad about the whole thing. It is sad. Well, I will say, though, that I've, I've used that in my life. Like, I'd rather get to the punchline first before you. So I understood why he why he did it. Um, but, you know, and but you kind of see I feel like Charlene was pretty charmed by that and disarmed by it. Because well, when she read his business card, for sure. Right. And and, and so basically, I think the short version version here is that. By the end of this scene, we have ourselves a date, a lunch date, nothing mm-hmm. more than a lunch date and only one with Mason mm-hmm. and Charlene. I have one side note before mm-hmm. we move on, because I looked up the actor. I'm still playing with names for the my little side note. Got the side note, Sally. I'm just going <laughs> to see if it works. I don't know. I don't know why you have to do a, an alliteration with someone else's name. <laughs> why not Selena's side notes? That's, I don't know, something about it sounds, it's, it's a side note. It's your note. segment. You know what? It's, it's a side note. You don't have time for the full name. You got <laughs> you to, like, you know, condense. And nothing condenses something like me talking about the, the condensing of it for 10 minutes. Wait um, a minute. Sally is a shortened version of Selena? Uh, not Are in we my doing world. that now? Not in my Are we world. doing that now? Come mm-hmm. on, Sally. All right. Side note, Sally. Jump on in. Yeah. I you see. Here I go. I got myself in trouble. Uh. <laughs> So, so the actor, his name is Walter Olkowicz, 
I'm probably like murdering the pronunciation of that. And I apologize, but he looked just looked familiar to me. And I looked up his acting credits. He's got a, a lot. He's done a lot. He's been in a lot. He's been in 103 different like shows or movies. The reason I'm I'm mentioning him is because there was such a a nice sweet story there that I wanted to share it. That was part of like his trivia profile. So apparently, like, and you see his filmography really drop off after 2000. He was disabled in 1999-2000 from, I guess, like some kind of knee surgery. I don't know if it was Mm -hmm. botched or what the problem was, but he was down and out for the count. And so his son dropped out of high school to take care of him, like, during, like, all of these illnesses. And he got his, he had to get... I don't want to say he had to get his GED, but because he wasn't able to finish like in person in school, he got his GED. He scored a perfect 4,000. He's the only person in California as of the time of this trivia post to have done that. And he is more, uh, that's out of half a million people in California. And he's only one out of six people in the U.S. to have done that. So like I said, it's definitely a side note, but I, I just thought that was such a nice, like happy, like sweet thing that he he took care of his dad and then he went on. He's obviously whip smart and he does really well on that test. And we need to interject some positivity into this episode is what I'm trying to say. Okay. All right. Well, that's nice. I have well, I have one more thing I want to add. Yeah. I also wanted to note um, that. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if we're there yet. I think it's still all in the same scene. Um, the, it turns out Julia and Mary Jo are giving the boys. I, I don't think we talked about this. So sorry, we're all over the place on this one. Charlene, when she's on the phone with the frat boys, she gives them money. She agrees to give them a loan to cover the price of the couches. Well, then in that same scene, after the man leaves, they're going on a date. Um, it turns out that uh, Mary Jo and Julia also have agreed to give the boys a loan. And I, I feel, I think the next scene, am I getting ahead of myself? A little bit, but that's okay. You want to go ahead okay. and talk about it? Well, then my notes are all out of order. Well, um, you're in it, so let's talk about it. <laughs> well, so it just, I think that's an important kind of like, it, it brings the show together at the end. But yeah. the one thing I wanted to point out, I don't know if you noticed the significance or possibly insignificance, but I noticed, of okay. the fraternity's name. Oh. So they were Alpha Tau Epsilon okay. or A-T-E. Eight. And I don't know if that was related to the weight jokes or that kind of plot line. Right. Um, But every time I hear a fraternity or a sorority mentioned in a movie or TV show, I always step back and look at the letters because typically they say something. Oh, that's so. So I didn't. So see, that's where your insight's going to be really helpful because I wouldn't know anything about that. In the movie Can't Hardly Wait, have you seen that movie? Mm hmm. I think it's Can't Hardly Wait. There's a guy that used to go to the high school, and now he's in college, and he's wearing his fraternity polo shirt. And um, the letters are D-I-K. Oh, <laughs> there you so go. So that's why you always sort of pay attention, because it usually says something. Oh, so now I'm worried I got ahead of myself. No, don't. It's fine. It's totally fine. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I, so if we're going to talk about that part, I'll just go ahead and say that, uh, you know, Mary Jo and Julia both unknowingly to one another like they're back on the phone with Walter again this is like we have this is like uh after this whole thing happens with um this date setup thing but I you know they're they're unknowingly to one another loaning Walter money Julia's kind of like trying to be like a little bit of a like a little bit of a hard ass about it, you know, but as soon as Mary Jo leaves the room, she's like, okay, I, I will totally help you, you know? And, and, and I, I think it's because uh, we get a lot of sad information that's played as a joke there. So Walter's oh, parents have yeah. passed away. He's saving for his brother's prosthetic and they play it all like a joke. Cause every time Julia's like, well, what about this to get the money? And Mary Jo's like, Julia, you don't understand that, you know, and so it's very much played for a laugh line there. I think actually the most important thing I learned from any of that is that Julia has a son in college and that's important because we're going to meet him in the next episode. So uh, for me, though, I I was actually going to ask you, is this plot line landing for you at all? So weird. I so so like. A fraternity comes to an interior design company to get some couches. 
Like a fraternity is going to go to Walmart to get some couches. Or like just pull some in off like that somebody is throwing away. I, I yeah. don't know. Whatever the case is, like even if it's that, I just like I don't care, to be honest. Yeah. And it's taking up show real estate. And I don't know if they were just looking because the rest of the episode is a little um, it's a little I am not using this as a some kind of funny line at all. It's a little heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, and for that reason, I think maybe they're trying to interject something that's just playful. But yeah, it didn't do anything for me, honestly, because I've had to rewatch this one every time I get like more annoyed with this. Plot oh, line. I so. hear that. Yeah, it's that, weird. That's just my feeling. Don't love it. Yeah, Don't I was curious because I was like, maybe, what if Nikki loves it? Maybe I'm just being like a butt, but I just, I don't. No, I mean, the second it turns out it was a fraternity, I was just sort of like, that's, it just all is so unbelievable. It just doesn't make any sense. And then these women are like giving them money. It just got weird. Yeah. I'm, and I'm like, well, is this why the business isn't doing well? You're right. all giving your money away. Right. They have to but pay we're not, for the products. We're not talking about the business not doing well anymore. Oh, that's right. We're past That was that. an episode one thing. That's right. We are done with that. It's resolved. So now we have Charlene coming in after the, this whole frack continuation thing uh, that's just uh, jazzy every moment. And, and <laughs> she's been to lunch with Mason. Uh, uh-huh. Apparently they've gone out a few times now. Uh, d- did you hear the name of the restaurant? I'm just curious. Stromfelder's? Okay, here's why I'm laughing. I thought it was Strotfellows. <laughs> oh, well, do you know? Well, let me say, I know that from the transcript yet again that I found because I was curious if we had another Nikki's Nibbles in the works. Okay. Uh, and so I needed to know if it was a real restaurant. So the transcript calls it Stromfelders. That's not what I saw the first time, but I don't, or what I heard the first time. I don't remember, but it seems to be a made up restaurant. So no Nikki's Nibbles. Oh. Sorry, fans. Well, it turns out that Strotfellows. <laughs> It seems unimportant now, but it is a restaurant, but not in Atlanta. It's, oh, where is it? Well, I found a Strott Fellows in Pittsburgh, I think. It's like a really traditional, oh. like, godfather-looking steakhouse. Hmm. So. Uh, well, we may never know if that was real or not. Yeah, which I feel like somebody's going to be like, I think you mean godfather father type Italian restaurant but I'm just telling you it's definitely a steakhouse but it had like <laughs> those kind of like lush like I'm like in my memory of what it looked like <laughs> anyway <it's, laughs> I appreciate how much effort you put into figuring it out it's gonna look like a McDonald's when you go look at it it's basically <laughs> what's gonna happen and you're gonna be like Selena I'm worried about your brain and I'll be like yes me too but like those lush like kind of red like oversized sure boots. okay anyways it doesn't matter there's not one in Atlanta we could go on and on about it that. It may or may not be that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I it, this just sort of felt like one of those times where we could have used a real restaurant, but whatever. Um, obviously, that's not we're, really... We're like really... We're grasping for straws on things to focus on in this episode other than the ugly things. Okay, that could be true because I this part <laughs> gets incredibly difficult for me. Um what we basically get is once Charlene comes in, she has this whole she she has this whole breakdown. At first, it seems like she's standing up uh, for Mason, and mm-hmm. and then but what it what really happens is she. I mean, and these are her close friends. Whatever you should be able to be yourself in in front of your close sure. friends. And if you're being a jerk, then by all means, tell your friends about it. But. <laughs> she basically said, I tell my friends all the time when I'm being a jerk. Um, but she's she's feeling embarrassed and he's starting to notice. There's just a lot of comments that get made here that really blew my mind. It starts out with her. She she says she's basically been going out in everything short of a ski mask. Can we just stop and say it's been a week? So how many times could you have gone out? But right. there's this whole comment made about... How am I supposed to feel when we're going into the restaurant and they're seating us for a party of six? You know, people are staring, they're guarding their food. And I don't know. I like, I I wonder, so one, it could be possible that people are doing that. I was also wondering, is she projecting her feelings? I was just thinking that. Okay. So that's what you were thinking too. Yeah. It's just so weird. I mean, I, again, I, I don't, he's not an, like, unusual looking person 
He's just, there's nothing, there's not no, like, oddness about him. He's not, like, needs, you know, um, it, it just, it, there's nothing, there's nothing that would, like, make you think people are staring at this man. He looks like a totally normal-sized man. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all very uncomfortable. And then this is where it takes a really bad turn for me, is where everyone else starts to weigh in. Uh, it's just like, they're frankly mean jokes. And well, we learned in the last episode that Mary Jo has a little bit of a mean girl streak. So I wasn't totally shocked when she made a joke, but Julia got in on it. And I kind of think of her as the voice of reason. So yeah, man. even at the beginning of the episode, we didn't specifically talk about this, but Suzanne, when she all comes in at the beginning of the episode, she's talking about this really difficult day that she's had that's like full of first world, pro- world problems. And Julia immediately calls her out on it. So I'm sitting yeah. there thinking, there's Julia, our voice of reason. Then this scene comes around. And I'm like, Julia. Yeah. I, because they do. I, I mean, I'm not. I mean, basically, the conversation comes around to like, like whether or not sex with this man is even possible. So strange. And Julia chimes in to let them know, well, she sat on an elephant. I got yeah. a lot of problems with that. And I that think, one was super cringy. Yeah. And just so you know, Nikki, it's, I did. I, I think sometimes we have to decide, is it worth repeating something that's so terrible? And sometimes it's not, but in this case, I wanted to share that because I felt like that was just so over the top that I want, I like, I think I wanted to bring that one out specifically as an example of if, if someone wants to say that maybe, um, Linda, uh, Bloodworth Thomas, Thomason is like trying to, uh, address this issue in a way to show all of the different viewpoints and how people are rude. Like, this is where it falls apart because this yeah. is this is beyond like setting up something to show like hey you know we need to we need to accept everyone for who they are and right. you know and not be judging people to me in this part of the show we if that was a possibility that this was some sort of lesson using him as a laugh line that's not a lesson so, agreed that's uh, awful yeah then we get Suzanne. She comes back in. Um, Suzanne's always by herself. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> and the other three are always together. I kind of find that hmm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But so uh, she discusses one thing that came up earlier. It, it, I don't even, we hadn't even, I don't think we discussed really the dinner party aspect of all of this. Part of her, oh yeah yeah it's okay I so I I dropped that but so basically just so we're all on the same page um, part of her setting up Charlene with Mason was that it was gonna it wasn't so much all these dates they've gone on it was so they could be each other's date at this dinner party that she's throwing when she comes in in the last part uh, in the earlier part of the episode this is like a week ago she's lost her um, housekeeper. Like they they quit or something, and she is uh, in the process of hiring new help. That new help is on the way from another country. We're not told where, but from another place to the U.S. And so finally, that's kind of what Suzanne is talking about when she comes in. Is she's mm-hmm. talking about the dinner party? She's talking about Consuela, who is going to be. The, she is the person who is um, taking care of her house. And uh, she tells like this weird story about how uh, Consuela has just learned the word boo and she keeps scaring Suzanne around the house and she's like hiding and jumping out and screaming at her. So which, I laughed at that. Well, it's just so weird. <laughs> and then it was just weird. And, and it was also, just, I wonder. knowing what Suzanne and if you get her interpretation at the top of the episode about. Like there was a, a a mom who pumped gas for her and then she gave her a quarter and then that lady like flicks her off and she like reads it as like, how dare she, uh, you know, do these horrible things to me. It makes me wonder. I'm like, is Consuela okay? Like maybe she's <laughs> trying to get Suzanne's attention and Suzanne is so stuck on herself and so selfish that she doesn't realize <laughs> Consuela is actually running around the house seeking help <laughs> I did not think of that at all 
Anyways, I just thought that would be kind of... That's a cry for help. I feel, yeah, this, Meanwhile, I'm laughing like Suzanne. I'm like, oh. this, this stupid woman from America won't help me. She doesn't understand. So we also learn, I guess, like her brother. I don't know if her brother came with her or what happened, but we find out he's a gourmet meat packer. I don't know why Suzanne chose this wording, but he's going to slaughter up something special for them Mm-mm-mm. for the dinner party. Yum. Uh, and... And I, I think the big part here, too, is that, like, all this leading up, this whole conversation that they've had, uh, Charlene's embarrassment, all of this stuff around Mason is culminating to the fact that she's like, I want to break it off. And Suzanne basically tells her no. And here's <laughs> where my head's at. <laughs> They're going to stay together? What could go wrong at this dinner party? <laughs> so, and there we are. Actually, before we move on to the dinner party scene, what we've been working towards, uh, can we address, Nikki, I, go ahead and just talk a little bit more about this Mason plotline and this other thing yeah, that I hasn't if, aged well? I guess that feels, that feels the most respectful thing to do, <laughs> as much as I would like to just move on because it makes me so ragey. Yeah, I, it, it does. I, so I... I think we're calling this our red flag number two for the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And and what it really boils down to is the problem here is fat shaming. And then also for the other people in the show, some, some fat phobia. These are actually terms that exist in the world because I personally don't really like the F word that much. Not that mm-hmm. F word. So... <laughs> You know, so for me, it's just, it's, it's not my favorite. So you're not really going to help hear me use that term outside of these more, like what is, what they're culturally known as. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it, I'm going to, just on a personal note, this strikes a nerve with me because I, I have family members that I care a great deal for and they struggle with weight issues. And mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of stereotypes that come along with weight and, you know, laziness, even like things that you like that somehow they're not smart or all these kinds of things that just don't make any sense. And really, they remind me of some of those Southern stereotypes mm-hmm. that we get. And, and our job is to bust up those stereotypes. And, and so I just I think because there's like a familial connection here and because I know that this is just absolutely not true it feels like a, a really important time to call to call a spade a spade and and just to say, like, this is not really correct. Well, I think I will say just in defense of the show, at least they didn't dig into those stereotypes necessarily. And probably because there wasn't that much time. They yeah. really just focused on how Charlene felt about the whole thing. They didn't really get into really much of why she felt that way, just sort of like... That embarrassment we talked about earlier. I'm glad that you said that because full disclosure, I talked to my mom earlier to tell her about the episode and to tell her what was bothering me about it. And she asked me to consider whether or not some of the things that happened are in order, were done in order to shine like a light on the issue um, and to call out that kind of level of, I don't know, almost like hate around. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so she said that. And I, I do... I do want to consider that as a possibility. I just think if that's what the aim was, I would say in gymnastics, they did not stick the landing. Yeah, so, they sure missed it because right. they didn't take the opportunity. Like, I think when you have such limited time, you have to almost hit people right over the head with it. Mm-hmm. And so backing up to the the scene that we just covered uh, where all of the women sort of make these jokes about, except Suzanne, Suzanne's not in the room, but they all sort of make these jokes about his weight um, or about um, overweight people in general. Um, no one, t- it takes the good side, you know, like no one says like, hey guys, this isn't cool. Um, and that's sort of the way in a sitcom, if you're going to tackle an issue, you have to have the person that hits it right on the nose. Right. And no one did that. And that's, a, that's a really great point. And so I, I'll just say, too, that, that some of the things, you know, and in this case, fat shaming, like it doesn't stay on TV and in movies, right? This stuff spills over into real life. 
Yeah. And so I just wanted to share a couple of things that uh, I did some research. Shocking. I know. Um, but, it, you know, that 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 happened in, in real life. And so, you know, overweight people have to endure what's called a fat tax, where it's well documented that, you know, there there's it costs more money for clothing and furniture. Mm-hmm. I found statistics on how, um, you know, people who are overweight get hired, promoted, and paid less than their thinner peers. And mm-hmm. they tend to have an adequate health care because providers just sort of go automatically to this, like, well, have you tried to lose weight? Yeah. I actually had a doctor one time. Um, it was a, a an OBGYN. And we were talking about... Uh, infertility and um, having trouble getting pregnant. And she said to me, and this totally, I was just shocked. And I'm not a super like pearl clutchy PC sort of person because I think people, you can't censor yourself all the time. And sometimes people slip up in in their mouths, talk faster than their minds. They say things they don't mean. So I don't usually get too uptight about things. But she said to me, you know, it just really blows my mind when these women come in here and they tell me they've tried everything to get pregnant, but they're 35 pounds overweight. And it's clear they haven't tried everything. And I was just oh. like, oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> it was so like, I, it just struck me that that was her take on it. And and there, I'm sure I'm sure it was coming from somewhere grounded in medicine, but it it came out very judgy. And I think that's. I'm sure that's what a lot of overweight people deal with with healthcare providers is the judgment. Yeah, it's just it's a little that's that's a very disappointing story. <laughs> so, um, you know, I threw you for I, a so, loop, didn't I? You're not really sure where to go from there. <laughs> well, no, I think I mean I think that's a really important thing. Actually, one of the things I was thinking about is how I feel like women face this too. It kind of pairs nicely with what I thought about for myself, which is I would go in with like this is totally a dramatic okay thing but I would go into the doctor with a broken arm and they'd be like are you pregnant I'm like no dude my arm is broken so I am not saying that I'm facing the same things I'm just saying like I think there is this thing where providers have these ideas stuck in their head and it's hard to get their mind off of that and onto other things and actually practice patient-centered care so but we could that's a topic for another day and <laughs> another probably conversation for another day. Probably another podcast. So <laughs> I to take this back to TV, I just wanna say like that I, I wanted to quickly look at how um like fat shaming has crossed over TV historically and you'll find this very shocking. Uh women come up a lot. <laughs> So, so I was going to say yeah. actually and I'm not sure if you're getting to this point, but at least this show didn't play into um that like double standard that it's okay for men to be overweight but not women. Have you ever seen the movie Shallow Hal? Oh, I can't. It's awful. I, and the whole oh. idea is that, that Gwyneth movie. Paltrow is overweight but but um Jack Black can't see it because he has some magical spell or something I don't remember. He's right. uh, no, he's um uh what's the word when hypnotized and he can't see it. So he only sees her true beauty blah blah blah. But he's obviously an overweight person and but it's okay for that, but not for her. And the, the the movie is told with such a straight face. It just drives me crazy. But I think that's true in other shows as well. And so I think, so I do agree with you. I wasn't sure how to put that. Like, is this a stride? <laughs> you know? Oh, well, because no. Because we I focused mean, this on a man. Well, I was just, but like, I didn't know how to bring that in. But I think uh, the point that you're making is well taken. And I could never get through Shallow Hal for lots of reasons. But a, no offense shallow hell. Um, so I looked at a 2017 study commissioned by Refinery29. 33 female characters um, of, excuse me, those 33 female characters who were leads or co-leads in the top 100 films of 2016, only four were, were roughly size 14 or greater. First, can we address the other thing that only 34 <laughs> Three of a hundred characters were female. So that's, but that's another podcast too, I guess. I'm sure um, we'll get there at some point. Yeah. But so you see just like the representation is a low. So, and that's why diverse stories matter if the representation is that low. 
Um, and it's also important to understand that that, that four, four women who wound up getting those roles, uh, that's compared to 70% of U.S. adults, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, who are either overweight or obese. So those numbers, I'm not mathy, as you know, but I can tell you those numbers are really far apart. Even I can tell yeah. you that. And so like so many other groups who are uh, underrepresented on TV, I think we're just coming across another one that is facing the same issue. And, and you know, when you look historically, like for a long time, you would find that these individuals would wind up being the butt of jokes, which is some mm-hmm. of what we see here. And then when they do break through that barrier and they're actually like a main character, their stories often focus almost entirely on weight, mm-hmm. the entire plot line. And that's really what we see happen with Mason in this episode as well. And I don't know that I would have totally bought into that except for, because I couldn't think, I, I could think of a couple things off of the top of my head, but an article I read, like gave him like back to back to back and so like Mike and Molly, it's about a couple who meet at an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. I had not heard of ABC, ABC Family's Huge. That's a show, but it's about teens in a weight loss camp. Uh, mm. You and I both watched, or watched American Housewife. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, I'm sure you remember, largely focused on the fact that she kind of was not really in with the moms. And it was for a lot of reasons, but one of them was certainly focused on her weight. Oh, yeah. And then if you've ever watched This Is Us, Kate, who's a main character, mm. one of the main siblings in season one, it mm. almost completely revolves around her weight. So mm. the bottom line, we need more stories, more stories, not just weight stories, not just butts of joke stories. And then because we're dealing with a man in this episode and not a woman, uh, I pulled a quote from James Corden. And I thought it was really relevant for this episode. And this, here's what he said in another podcast. If you are chubby or fat or big, you never really fall in love, you never have sex, and certainly no one really ever finds you attractive. Now, this is him talking about playing different characters. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's an important, it's important I was thing. like, well, I thought he was married. Yeah. This is about... Just say he doesn't love his wife or yeah, partner. Right. I, I think so, he's married. I think so, too. So, uh, so that's... Those were the things that I found. I wanted to be sure and share share those. And I also want to leave with a couple of thoughts in this particular area is that I am not saying we're doing better in 2021, not by a long shot. I mean, that's what all this is kind of building up to. You know, we've had a little progress here. We'll sprinkle a progress over there. But on the whole, I'd say we're still in a huge fail territory um, mm-hmm. for this issue. And you know, I can't I can't speak to all content in the world of 1986. And maybe this was light years ahead of what everyone else was doing at the time. Maybe mm. no one else was even talking about it. Maybe oh, no maybe. one. We, I don't know. Um, but no, no matter how you slice it, <laughs> this scene that we saw between all of our women who were supposed to be kind of like our heroes, it was icky. Yeah. They didn't feel like heroes. They felt like no. villains, and I really hated that. Yeah. So that's my that's my little diatribe there, um, my little my little indulgence because because I just thought that was something that really needed to be addressed. Um, and if you're okay, we can jump into the dinner party. Yeah, it's just so hard to make that turn. Thank you for covering all that. I think that's true and all important. Um, so yeah, awkward all the way around. So. <laughs> pivoting moving along to the dinner party dinner party <laughs> there were a couple of bright spots in the dinner party yeah uh so we get to the dinner party at suzanne's house they actually show the outside of the house i don't know if you had any feelings or opinions on that it was beautiful it did look a little southern which i appreciated i did i mean so i uh i thought that looked more like what i expect to see um if i'm up uh, i'm trying i'm gonna blank on the name i i don't think I don't think it's, it's not Ponce, but um, wherever the governor's mansion is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Um, whole road is like those kinds of houses. That is going to drive me crazy. Yep. And I cannot believe I'm waiting on it. I don't think so. And I'm going to feel really dumb if it's 
DuPonts, but I, I'm sure I'm sure the audience will love to hear about the different roads in Atlanta. I know, I know. We're going to take them on a geography lesson now. Yeah. Um, doesn't really matter. Anyway, point being, it does look like a Southern house. And I think one of our criticisms in the last episode was the um, the place where they filmed the uh, beauty pageant scene didn't feel particularly Southern from the outside. So that was kind of cool. So anyway, they're at this beautiful house. They yep. you open the scene at a, um, a beautiful formal dining table with um, Charlene and Mason and Suzanne, Mary Jo. There was Julia and there was some man there. I don't think they introduced him. This is what I'm saying. Who is that? Is that yeah, they, I don't think they introduced him. Yeah. Somebody's date. Well, sitting next to Mary Jo, so you would think it was Mary Jo's date, but Ted obviously isn't in the picture anymore. So for all I know, it's Suzanne's date. Yeah, so we have no idea who that guy was. Although I will say, I, maybe this is where I should mention it. Um, I read something somewhere that this, uh, the episodes were aired out of order from when they were filmed. That's so, so funny. I just read that last night. Oh, okay. So it's possible that maybe that man is someone we would recognize if we had seen later episodes. Okay, but I don't, it doesn't really matter. That's a I don't thoughtless spend too much choice, time on though. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to spend too much time on that. Other yeah. than they're sitting at this dinner table. Um, interestingly, it sort of feels like we make an appearance on the show. Did you pick this up, Mary Jo talking about Southerners on TV? I'm sorry, you mean Mary Jo pitching our podcast? Yes. 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 So Mary Jo is sort of talking about the portrayal of Southerners in TV and and how um, frustrating it can be. Uh, The B word strikes again when Charlene tells a joke uh, that was kind of cute and funny. It was. was, Well, so you've heard that joke before, though, right? Yeah, probably. it, It is like a classic Southern joke. I have heard no less than 25 iterations of that joke. So, so it was, it was kind of funny. It like makes the whole room laugh, except Mason. He does not laugh. Um, and she says, "Like, why aren't you laughing?" And then he says something about being fat and jolly, and not—I don't know—not wanting to play into that stereotype or something. I mean, honestly, I just like, anytime they told those jokes or he tried to be self-deprecating, I was just sort of like, "Hmm." Yeah, it was something about a fan. trough. Yeah. Of yeah. oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was bad. Um, so that happens. Um, I think there are some interactions before. So there are some interactions with Suzanne and the housekeeper right before the Charlene and Mason conversation. Yeah, there, there, there is, because I think she goes to check on the food. Everyone's hungry. You get, they kind of show these little snippets where you get the idea that everybody like really needs some food. It's like, like 9 p.m. and they haven't eaten. It's kind of a disaster eaten. dinner party. Yeah. Like every dinner party in every sitcom, by the way. Just, I don't know. Right. That, you know, nobody's, that's the whole point of, it's It's always supposed to be shenanigans. But, you know, we don't, we don't see her. Suzanne just goes back into the, I'm assuming the kitchen area. And, but we hear Consuela scare her and scream crazily at Suzanne in the <laughs> other room. Yeah, and there was like a whole joke about um, about her holding up a knife at her, but it's okay because it's a little one, so that was like it's a whole tiny. thing as well. Yeah, it's tiny, so it's fine. Um, and so I, yeah, that was all very weird. And on that note, I think that gets us into red flag number three. Okay, <laughs> it's our final red flag. It's our final red flag. <laughs> it's also the last like four minutes of the episode. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we still have we still have uh, the the whole scene with with Charlene and me. Yeah. So we have somewhere to go from here. But but basically, I'll just be quick. You know, we don't uh, we don't get a lot of Consuela after that one part with them apparently chasing each other around in the back. Um, but it does seem happening. it's 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 weird. Uh, just a few numbers to chew on. So Latinos made up roughly 5% of the movie characters in the 100 top grossing films of 2013. And couple that with this fact. Between 1996 and 2014, 69% of maids in television and film were were Latina. So I'd say we have ourselves another representation issue here. I also read that there are these occasions where the actors who go in for different roles, 
they're basically being asked to play up and use like a thicker accent. So mm. that's, um, that's not great, right? Yeah. <laughs> and here, it taking it back to designing women specifically and with Consuela, we don't even get to see her. Uh, that's not important, apparently. What's important is that we know that she's a little nuts, not particularly good at her job even, and perhaps a little dangerous. Hmm, what could be the harm? And so the, those are just, so, just sort of the things that I kind of found to be a little concerning in, in, in this particular runner throughout this episode. And mm-hmm. I'll be interested mm-hmm. to see how they handle it moving forward. Yeah. With that in mind, I promise, rat, last red flag. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, like you already know, Nikki, <laughs> this is our promise to you, dear audience. Um, right. We also didn't write the episode. so Right. I, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I guess we don't have to apologize to anybody. It, we didn't make it problematic. It, in all fairness, I bump into chairs and I'm like, sorry, sorry. I'm so, sorry. <laughs> so I I have that to work on as, a, as an individual. Uh, but to get us back into the show, so Charlene asked Mason to join her in the hallway. Mm. And, he, and she confronts him out there about embarrassing her with all of these self put downs mm-hmm. and what do we get the surprising turn he wants to break yeah. up with her <laughs> <laughs> yeah he uh he turns the tables pretty hard on her and he's like what are you what are you talking about you're the you know the less educated one of the two of us you're the less wealthy one of the two of us um there's a huge gap a social gap between the two of us that it's honestly quite honestly, a little hard to ignore. And she gets really upset, understandably. Really upset, yeah. She gets really upset and she gets very teary and gets her feelings hurt because it's horrible to judge people that way and to assume that they're not at your level. Um, But then... And I don't don't know if you have a a different way that you want to kind of deliver the, the twist... But the twist really was just him kind of saying, I didn't mean any of that. That's not true. Right. I just wanted you to know how it feels. Well, it all happens very quickly, right? It does, yeah. Like where you're kind of, I felt like a little, like a tennis ball or something getting whacked. But they did their job because I got really mad at him for a minute. This whole episode, I've been feeling like, God, these women are horrible. And then he did that. And I was like, hold up a second. That's not kind either. Right. But it seems like they have like a reckoning. Right. Yes. And right. actually, you really see, I think you can tell they really care about each other. Yeah. Um, and, and we've we, we've already discussed this. We're in the 80s. This is how sitcoms work. We're just setting them up and knocking them down. So they're right. fighting one second. They're in love the next. But I think they had like a little bit of a, a very flirty moment. Um, mm-hmm. It was, you know, I thought it was sweet. And and but I did want to know, like, what. Well, I think, well, I think you really shared your impressions of this part. Um, it was a little bit of uh, feeling like you're jerked around a little bit, being mad yeah. at him. But were you okay with the way that he tried to teach her a lesson? No, not okay. really. Okay, good. I mean, not good. I'm like, good. No, but that, good, good, good. <laughs> if that, I, I just wanted to say that for me, that was, that was difficult because I understood that he wanted to prove his point. But it, I have in my notes, that was pretty mean. It was a game. Like, again, it's just if you want to throw in a fourth red flag, relationship red flag, why not just tell her that is really, really hurtful. And if you feel that way, this isn't going to work because I I am who I am. And I would be happy if we find a workout routine that works for us or if we want to together work to incorporate fruits and vegetables into our diet or whatever, you know, he says, because he's he also says, like, I'm happy to lose the weight. And I'm like, really? Really? Because I'm, I'm. If that's a criteria for dating her, that doesn't feel right to me either. And I was bothered by that. Yeah, I think it. Maybe that's a setup for us to know. Like, this probably he's gonna go join Ted. Yeah. He and Ted, <laughs> they're gonna go import and gynecological themselves around the country. <laughs> maybe they'll be having the best time. I don't know, but I just felt like uh, we were sort of setting up the fact that. Maybe it'll be something for a moment, but again, 
the, the focus of the show is are these four women and yeah. eventually an Anthony, but we haven't gotten there yet. So right. I, I think we're just kind of done, but I didn't done with Mason, although yeah. I hear his name will come up again, but not necessarily. Mm. I think this is the last time we'll see him. I'm oh, okay. Sorry to spoil that, but it yeah, is 35 years old. <laughs> <laughs> with all that in mind, uh, they get interrupted fairly right. quickly, right? Doorbell rings, and <sighs> I don't even <laughs> dumbest know. ending to a show ever. Nikki, I I can't. It just started. The show started dumb. It's going to yeah. end on a dumb note. Do you want to just really, tell them what happens here? I can't. It was really silly. Suzanne opens the door and gets like a delivery of flowers and a check, and it's from the frat. And they're paying them back, I guess, as it turns out, with Mary Jo, Julia, and Charlene's money. But they're paying them back. Then they walk out onto the balcony. It looked like a balcony to me. And the frat boys sing to them and sing them a song. Right. And there's a note with the thing. So it's funny. I mean, you do kind of see Oh, I forgot about the note. Sorry. No, no, no. But it's funny because it sort of draws on everyone's personality, right? Suzanne obviously thinks this is for her, even though she's not been a part of this plot line at all. Yeah, like she, she was, never gave the boys money, and far as far as we could tell, no. I mean, she hasn't been involved at all. But of course, it's for her. This happened every night when she was in college, right? So, which I thought that was kind of funny. But uh, the card said something about for a special lady, you know who you are. These women are getting played. <laughs> they paid for this song that wasn't very good, and it's also weird because I. How did they know where Suzanne lived, that she was having a dinner party? I thought that was weird. That everyone would be there. And I'm pragmatic, I guess, because I'd rather just get the money. (laughs) Like, (laughs) not my money back, the actual money. Right. And And my money back with interest. Right. And then we get nothing else. Like, this was the end. And so... uh, And thank God for that. Okay. Yeah. And... (laughs) And that's the rating, guys. No. So, I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm going to go with what I said last time. You want to rate this sucker? <laughs> uh, I've so got a rating. We, I'm very excited. Oh, sorry. On sweet, we're rating on sweet teas, bowls of grits, or... You rate on whatever you want. Whatever scale on, I maybe? want. I've got a scale. I'm very excited to share mine. Oh. Well, you go first. Okay. It's... I'm going to give it one... Out, and because zero feels low, I'm going to give it <laughs> one sense of a score. Yeah. Out of five oversexed Southern women in satin slips. <laughs> that was part of Mary Jo's story. Very specific. Oh. Yeah. And, and, and here's why. It feels pretty disappointing on the hills of the pageant episode that we love so much. Mm-hmm. We've hit our first episode that really hasn't aged well. And I feel like you and I had to do a lot of explaining. Yeah. (laughs) Again, we didn't write the show. I'm not sure why we felt like we needed to. So, I mean, but that's what we've done. We've we've been doing a a lot of talking around, talking through, around, up, down, over (laughs) these three red flags that came up over the course of the episode. And also, I would just say that the things that were problematic in this episode unfortunately cheapened my favorite part of the episode, which is our third podcast host, Mary Jo, outlining all of the Southern stereotypes that aren't right. Yeah, that made me very happy to hear her say that. That's true. That was a bright spot in the episode. But how can she really do that when there are this... This episode is laden with issues, and she's like, it's not really fair the way Southerners are treated. Uh, Okay, well, we've lost the upper hand here right? uh, because of everything else. My other thing is is that just it's getting a one out of five because storyline issues. The, The whole idea of Suzanne needing to set up Mason with someone to get these discounts, that was a stretch for me. We've got this fraternity plot line that I cannot talk about anymore. There's <laughs> no payoff in it. Literally, there's no payoff. Not for the sugar bakers. Not for us. No one gets paid except for with their own money. So 
Uh, bottom line, we were supposed to be busting up some Southern stereotypes, but darn it, the show just introduced other ones for us to deal with, and that's where we are. So that was yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I give it, like you said, zero is the absence of a score. So since we have to score it, it gets one couch you could grow penicillin on from me. Love it. It's, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was really not a great episode. Just not good. <laughs> Meh. Maybe the future ones will be better. I think they missed some opportunities. I really think, um, to your mom's point, if they really were trying to tackle um, the complicated issues related with weight um, and perception of weight and perception of people associated with their weight, they missed the mark and they missed a lot of opportunities to do that. They really should have just called it what it was um, and made someone feel bad about it. Um in a, in a way unsimilar to the way Charlene ended up feeling bad about it, which was sort of like, hey, you're dumb. Just kidding. <laughs> it just exactly. was, I don't know, just really ugly. And I, di- I didn't enjoy this episode. So, yep, no. not the best. Yeah. But there will be 160 others. There will be. There will be. And maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll cover some better issues in the future. Yeah. Um, I so do you have anything else you want to add about the episode? Anything I, we missed? I think I think we've done everything we can with this. I had a whole the Mon- Montgomery Ward catalog. I really wanted to dig into that because um, I feel like that was a product of the eighties um, oh. that would have been kind of fun to explore. Self serve gas stations. There was a comment made really yep. early on um, by Suzanne about those. I felt like that could have been a little fun aside, but there were just too many red flags to cover in this episode that it really. I don't know that we could have dug into those, but yeah. Um, so next episode will be episode four. You alluded earlier um, where we will meet Julia's son, which will be interesting. We learned in this episode that he is in college. So that should be an interesting reveal. Um, just as a general reminder for folks, they're welcome to follow us on Instagram at Sweet Tea and TV. Selena opened this episode so nicely with a reference to our coffee mugs. We would love to see other folks' coffee mugs. If you don't drink coffee, share your favorite Southern drink in your favorite mason jar. Whatever you want, we'd love you to share your pictures. Hashtag Sweet Tea TV. Our website is www.sweetteatv.com, and you can always email us at sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. How many times can I say sweet tea TV? <laughs> it's a real it's never tongue enough. twister. It's never enough. Yeah. Just as a reminder, this is the Sweet Tea and TV podcast. <laughs> is that good enough for you, Selena? <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. Now say it three times fast. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so, Julia's son next time. Onward and upward, because that's the only way we can go from here. Yeah. And thanks for rocking through us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for rocking through it with us. So, <laughs> it'll I be, think that's the best note to end on. I think so, too. So, we'll see you around the bend. Bye. What would you do if I showed up with like an oboe? (laughs) I would say, do you know how to play the oboe?